Blog Talk Radio. This is Gail Davis live from Washington, D.C. at Fusion Rise Up. And we're sorry for the technical difficulties. We are going to bring our guests on today. I'd like to let you know who our guests are today. We have Margaret Nagel, international producer for The Good Lie, also film uh, television show, which is a Red Band Society, My So-Called Life, Empire Boardwalk, HBO, so we're going to bring her on shortly. We also have Miss Delvine Pitt, who is an acting student from London studying New York. We have Mr. Sean Sothi, who is also from the NGO with the United Nations and executive director of PCI Impact. We have Kay Ree, who is international German artist, who we will bring on shortly. And then we also have uh, Ms. Jean Hassau-Wernheim. And then after that, we have Ms. May Haim Kutlarski from Live 365. We're going to have one of the biggest shows today for you guys. We're talking about men and women in partnership, folks. Men and women in partnership in business, tech, music, and film and life, and also culture, and how this plays into even youth and education. So without further ado, I am going to bring on Mr. Jay Logan, who is calling in from Japan. Jay, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful here. It's wonderful here in Japan. Uh, Everybody here is just a lovely culture, and everybody here is just wonderful. So I'm doing great. it's, 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 It's different. Yes, it, it, it is, you know, being in Japan, being here in D.C. for the Fusion Rise Up Conference. Well, Jay, we don't want to keep our guests waiting. You know, this is going to be a really amazing call. So let's start right now. We're going to bring on Margaret Nagel first. Margaret, Hi. good afternoon. How are you? Thank you for joining us. If you just stay with us for one moment, you're live on the radio. We're now going to bring in Ms. Delvine Pitt, who is from England, Margaret. Hold on just a moment. Delvine, good afternoon. How are you? Are you with us, Delvine? Okay, Delvine, I think you're going to need to call back in. Okay, we need to have you on a very clear line. So we're going to we're going to go on to the next one as well. We're going to just put you hold you in a green room along with Margaret. Hold on. We're going to bring on our next guest who I believe is Mr. Sean Sothi. Is this you, Sean? Who am I speaking with from a a 650 number? Hello? May from Live 365. Yes, May. Would you hold on just a moment? We're going to put you in the green room. And then I believe this is uh, who else do we have here today? Um, from a three four seven number. Uh, who am I speaking Hi, with today? Sean. 
Hi, this is Sean Sassy with PCI Media Impact. It's a great pleasure to join you, uh, JJ, Margaret, Delvin. Yes, and um, Sean, right now we're going to put you in the green room and then we're going to bring everyone on, okay? All right, Jay, we're going to bring everyone on and we're going to start this call going and then we're going to bring in Jean Wernheim and Kay Ree. So just hold on just a moment, okay? Okay. Sean, you are on live. Good day, everyone. Mayhem, you are on live. Margaret, you are on live. So, everyone, I'm so glad to have everyone here today. We'll be bringing in two people, more people, but I want to get this started so that we can get going with our audience. So thank you for joining Listen Give with Jay Logan and I today. And, you know, one of the things we want to get started here, we have Sean Southey from PCI Media Impact. He has been all over the world to several countries and serves as executive director to PCI Impact, where he brings stories from children and other people in villages and other countries around the world, and we can go into that later. We have Ms. Margaret Nagel on from The Good Lie with Reese Witherspoon, as I said, Red Band Society and Fire Boardwalk. And we have May Haim, who's on from Live 365, and who also, I believe, is a part of Women in Music. I'd like to just get started with you guys. You guys ready to go right into this? Jay, are we ready to bring them right on in here? All right. Okay. So as you know, uh, Sean and Margaret and also May, you know, we are uh, in a time when everyone is talking about men and women and how we connect in business, how we connect in film, how we connect in television, you know, how we work in corporate America together. I've also just brought back on Delvine Pitt from uh, the U.K., from England. I want to start out with you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Um, I want to start off by asking a question to all of you. One of the questions is we're talking about consistently equality amongst women and men, whereas Jay Logan and I happen to think it's it's more about partnership between men and women. So I'd like to know who would like to start us off here in answering that and thought about men and women working together in business, tech, film, and, you know, in all those areas. And what do you see that's, you know, either in place or missing for women? So who would like to start with us there? Well, maybe we should – I'll start with Margaret. <laughs> Okay. Well, I work, you know, film and and TV in the United States is still, you know, it's a really male-dominated profession with men at the sort of the top, and the majority of shows and movies are made for men. Um, The movie business is a predominantly male business in terms of content, directors, writers, um, even the actors that star in films, the majority of them are men. So... It's not about the partnership. It's really about how do you get the audience to show up for films for women? How have we somehow uh, made it, we sent a message to women filmgoers that they're sort of not welcome. And so they're going to the Internet for entertainment and connection. Women like to connect and they like to communicate with their media, be it film, TV. And so 
you know, when you talk about the film business, it's a little bit in the dark ages compared to some of the other areas that are connected to on the phone. I think it's um, the film business has a very, very, very long way to go, and it would have to look at itself. But the film business lives in sort of its own bubble, so it doesn't necessarily have to look at itself. Uh, as hard as other people do. It's not held accountable in that way. It's like a little closed society. Very hard to get into. Well, Sean, I would love, you know, when you say, Margaret, that it's very hard to get into, are you, you're saying that it's very hard for women to get into. Would you, am I correct? Yeah, it is real, it's really hard for women to get into, and it's very hard for uh, studio executives even women studio executives are often afraid to hire women because they know that their male counter they're more it's riskier to hire women because the perception of women in the film business is 25 years ago. Women don't get hired to do special effects movies or superhero movies. They're hired to do the more um, kitchen sink dramatic films, which are being made less and less as Hollywood really goes for the big. Um, money. What they see is money-making movies or special effects films, which they don't see women as being able to write or direct those. And they usually all-star men. So it's it's a weird. It's sort of a. If you're a female executive, you've got to do the. You've got to go with the mandate of the company, and the mandate of the company is usually not about hiring women. It's a, it's a real catch-22, and there's well, it hasn't been solved yet. Well, you know, I'd love to have Jay and May and Delvine and Sean jump in here. You know, just for from a male's perspective, Jay and Sean, do you have any thoughts about this? I'm happy to jump in. This is Sean here from Media Impact. So I've spent, I'm, I'm in my early 50s, and I spent sort of half of my professional life in the U.N. and half of my professional life in NGOs and sort of the government sector. And I have to say, at some levels, there's huge progress that's being made. We, you know, that my colleagues at a senior level look different than they did 15 years ago. Um, so I think we can say some good things have happened. But I kind of agree with Margaret that there's still a, a big gap in almost every sector where there's still this um, invisible barrier that curtails uh, a full, deep engagement. And I think, you know, my my deep sector now is the media sector, and I do think a lot of the role modeling we get as a global society is critical. And I think not only is the, the material produced with often a male audience in mind, but the role models we get for both women and men are are saturated with uh, a disproportionate amount of, of male hierarchical content. content. And I will stop there for now because we have great speakers. Um, if I can jump in, it's May from Latchi 65. I'm the legal counsel over here. I think that there is no doubt that uh, in the music area, uh, the men are highly dominated. Having said that, I think, uh, especially in my field, in the legal field, there are many, many very impressive uh, women. For example, I can uh, give an example. Zehaba Levine, she's the head of music in Google Play, and Cecily Mack. Uh, the previous uh, legal concept, general counsel in uh, Flip, in uh, I'm sorry, Rhapsody, and many other women that are very, very impressive, and actually men look up to them. So we don't have a problem to find a very impressive and super talented women. I think the problem is the quantity. We don't have enough 
women. So I personally would like to see more women in my field, but I don't. Th I don't think I'm. Uh, I think I'm well represented. I just want to say something. For me personally, um, growing up, I well, I kind of grew up in a, a traditional family, but because I was so close to my brother, um, I always seen as men and women as equals. But um, my dad, who was very traditional, he didn't really like that fact. But um, I think being a young person going into the media now and going into the arts, I'm starting to see a lot more women as my own role models as producers, as directors. Sometimes you go into an audition and you'll see women as the casting director as well. And to be honest, I've always seen it as, okay, we are equal and we can work together. Um, so from, for me personally, growing up um, traditionally, traditionally and then seeing how in my generation that has actually changed, and it's actually, there is a difference now, whereas before I didn't really see women in the industry, but now if I do go to work, it's normal for me to see a woman in the management. Wow. You know, um, this is great. And, and, Jay, is there anything that you would like to contribute to this conversation and what, from what you're hearing? Uh, yes, I'd, I'd just like to say uh, a bit of a, uh, in, the, in the Academy Award history, there's only four female filmmakers that have been nominated uh, for Best Actor, Best Director, excuse me, the Best Director. And, you know, I think we just we just do a little bit more here. And it's getting better, but four is not good enough, you know. And in and, and the Academy Award, they need to get together and, and see how we can get more women involved because, you know, I'm just looking at that number. It's not a lot, you know. And the last one that was um, nominated uh, Catherine uh, Bigelow, she was nominated in 2010. I'm, I'm checking this out, and I think that's 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 pretty that's not that good, you know. So I'm glad that we are bringing up this topic and we're bringing uh, bringing this up, so so you know our listening audience can know that it needs to be a lot more work done for women to be involved in this uh, field. I think you know one of the things I want to bring to Margaret May. Uh, we've just brought Jean Wernheim on. Jean is an international uh, music per, uh, music manager, and she deals with Taiwan, China, Asia, uh, the States, Europe, in uh, bringing artists out to the forefront. And we will have Kay Ree coming back on shortly from Germany. So she's joining us, so please welcome her aboard. Uh, one of the things I want to step in here and say is that to, you know, Margaret, you started this off. You know, my point to Margaret and May and Delvine is, is it about having enough women? You know, is it about the, the count of women being in film, television, movies, corporate, or is it just about really creating the partnerships between, between men and women where we don't have to designate it's a man or woman, just if you want to step into the field, it's an open playing field for everyone to step into. What are your thoughts about that, folks? Please, anyone, jump in. Well, unless people are aware of the disparity, I don't think we're there to an open field because there's there's this disparity that we are so used to. Like, for example, I'll be in my car and I have Sirius Satellite Radio. And I'll turn to maybe 30 different stations before I can find a single song being sung by a woman. And it, it really blows my mind that I can sit there turning the dial for two or three minutes to look for a song being sung by a woman. 
on all those stations, and there isn't one at the same time. And maybe I can find one if I'm lucky. And that is a statement about so many things, because if you ask the average listener, they wouldn't even notice there's not a song being sung by a woman. They wouldn't even be, even be conscious of it. So I think there's, there's a level of consciousness that has to happen uh, with, with everyone everywhere across all lines before it even begins to change and become an equal partnership. You have to realize something is unequal before you realize it's equal. And I think we're a long way. I think we're just accustomed to things. There's a, we're just sort of asleep at the switch going through our lives. Well, you know, I want to bring this on to the music front um, here. Um, Sh- uh, Sean and uh, Sean and Jean. Uh, Jean, welcome aboard. And has Kay rejoined us yet? Yes, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I want everyone to meet Kay Ree and Jane. Jean. Jean is uh, from Taiwan and works, uh, really is in the areas of China, Taiwan, as I said, Europe, and also the stage here in terms of music and bringing artists to the forefront. Kay Ree is an artist that has managed herself. She's recently just had a family and been married, and she really can speak to what it is to manage herself and the different things that she's gone through as a woman. So, you know, Kay Ree, I think we're going to start with you. Kay, we have Sean Southey. Um, who is from the U, uh, works with the NGO from the UN for PCI Media Impact. We have Margaret Nagel, who is on the uh, call here from The Good Lie and um, Red Band Society and several other films and movies that she's done. We have Jean Wernheim, who you've met. We have May Payne Kotlarski, who is from Live 365 and Music. We have Jay Logan, who is my co-host, coming in from Japan. And Delvine Pitt, who is an actress from... Um, England. So I want to start this, and I want to really get everybody revved up here and everyone involved. Um, Kay, as an artist yourself and as a woman who has been in the music industry and, and somewhat managed yourself, can you tell us how, what is it for you that you think is missing uh, for women in the music industry, and what do you think we need to put in? Well, to be honest with you, um, women are still being seen as uh, sex symbols, straight up. So, actually, if you are an artist that is not really uh, playing with that, then you're not really very attractive to the music industry, at least not to the majors, you know. So, you know how I dress on stage and how I dress, uh, period. Um, not super conservative, I wouldn't say, but, but I'm wearing a hair wrap, and I'm wearing that for a reason, because I definitely want to be seen as something completely different than the women who are using uh, their sexiness, so to say, in order to sell the music because I stand for a different message with my music. So that is something that uh, definitely, yeah, it's still very common and um, people notice it and it's getting more and more extreme if you if you look at all the uh, artists like Miley Cyrus and you know I don't even have to mention all of them but a lot of a lot of artists even young artists that are still uh teenagers they are being used in the music industry to portray that image still to this day 
So you know, that is well, something that is necessary well, to change, I believe. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I just want everyone to know that Kay Reed is from Germany, and she's of German and Farsi descent, of Iranian descent, and this is really great coming from her because culturally she ascribes to two cultures. So I would love for Sean and Jay to jump in here and also May and get your thoughts on this. From my point, one of the things I'm hearing Again and again, and it's something we really want you in our work. Is how do we role model a different view of Sean? We Sean, we cannot hear you that well. Okay, is is this better? Yes, much better. Thank you, Sean. As a media uh, group that produces long-running serial dramas in over thirty countries in the world, we produce a lot of content. And, we really believe in the power of role models in media content that recollect or reshift the perspective of women's roles economically, socially, politically, sexually. I want to commend everyone on the call here who's recognizing the importance of role models in visioning and, and pointing out a different way of looking at gender, a different perspective on masculinity, a different perspective on, on partnership and equality. And I think in our sector, the media sector, we reach many more people than than any other sector at scale. So we have a particular uh, responsibility to role model a, a different view. So, uh, and, and Sean, I, I'm glad that you shared that, and I would like to ask everyone if they would mute when they're not speaking. It would be great. Um, Sean, I have a question for you. So that's what PCI Media does, but your personal thoughts to what Kay is saying of of women being portrayed in a very sexual way and, and youth and young women being portrayed in a very uh, sexual way. I would love to get the feedback of you and May and uh, Margaret and Delvine and Jean. And Jean, um, especially, you know, yourself, Jean, step in here. But, Sean, would you just give us that from a male perspective of, of what Kay is saying, that, you know, through what you do with the media um, around the world, what are some of the things you think are solutions to that in addition to being a role model to, in addition to what we always hear? Coming from a male, how do you think that we can deal with that? Yeah, I don't think I can give you a male perspective. I can give you a man's perspective um, because I think we're all different and we're all variable across gender and across uh, so many features. And I want to maybe just reflect that there is no one-size-fits-all. Some women choose and rightfully choose to present themselves in a sexual fashion and celebrate their sexuality. Some choose not to promote that side of themselves. I think what becomes problematic is when the norms are set outside of what an individual artist chooses to do. And what I really liked um, about the, the comment earlier about the, the choice of headdress, etc. There's a consciousness in that decision that is personal, that is directed, and it's taking on a, a political agenda uh, uh, in recognizing the importance of, of, of choosing to present oneself a certain way. So I think there's no one size fits all. We all are different. We have to celebrate that difference. It's just if we only present one side from a media perspective, 
we role model, particularly young people, only one way of looking at the world. Got it. Thank you so much. You know, um, Jean Wernheim, who's from Taiwan and Sweden, would you jump in here and, and, and share your thoughts? You work in the music industry. You deal with the music industry on a regular basis. Would you share with us your thoughts? Regarding the females artists? Uh, yes, uh, the female artists and, and how they portray themselves and how women portray themselves in general, worldwide and in the media. Um. Man, I'm, it's, I feel like I'm living in a very conflicting world. Um, well, I, I'm living in Sweden, and Swedish women are known for the toughest uh, woman in the world, probably. And uh, the women's issue here is I have a Swedish female artist to come to me that with armpits hair that's showing them up in the photo. Uh, and then at the same time, I have a Chinese artist coming to me. She says, oh, she's so afraid that she gained one pound that she's too fat for the photo, uh, that the fans or the audience or the public will not accept them anymore or that she's in the wrong dress uh, to to be accepted. So it's it's a very comfortable, it's really hard for people to, especially for the young artists, the beginning they when they don't have enough self confidence it's it it is a crazy world for them to try to fit in and and the media sometimes can be really cruel too um so it's always kind of juggle for me for try to treat between the western artists and the and and asian artists and especially from the female artist's point of view um I do see the changings in the way over the years. Uh, but it's very slow and very small still. Uh, in Asia market, they're still very much judged from the view, the picture, and from how you look before they... Uh, well, the music sometimes can take over the, the look. So it is just kind of... It's a factor, and it's also up to the artists themselves if they say, oh... I'm going to decide I'm going to stick with my art because my singing is more important than my appearance. But very few female artists really had the guts to do that. I don't know if I say anything to say this in my view here. It's just sometimes it's, 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 uh, it's really it depends on the artists and their, their own decision as well. Got it. Um, um, uh, May, do you have any thoughts about this? Um, I relate to the lady that um, just spoke. I'm uh, originally from Israel. I'm a tough girl. I'm not, I'm not seeing myself as a sexual person or even as a... I'm seeing myself as a woman, a woman but um, I'm just seeing myself as something, that, someone that brings something to the table and doing her job. I think that uh, if you're going to do your job and it, you're going to do it good, I'm not sure people will uh, see you as specifically as a woman or as a man, or an, unless I want to believe that uh, we arrive to the point that we are already there. Um, in my industry, again, I can see the, the men are highly dominated, but still, uh, the women that I am uh, encounter with, they are very strong women. Uh, we know how to say what we want to say, and I, don't, I cannot really relate uh, to that problem. Got it. You know, um, do we still have Kay on the line? I, I think she, we may have lost her. Um, one of the...
questions I have, and I want to I want to bring this back around to um, Delvine, who is our youngest person here, and who's a student from England studying in New York City. Delvine, you've heard some of the people here. You've heard Margaret. You've heard Jean. You've heard you know the people of the different cultures. What are your thoughts as a young person? You know of what you see about young women in music and so forth, or young women in general, and about how they carry themselves, whether it's sexually or you know if it's their own. Uh, situation. Um, well, to be honest with you, um, if you look at it from a business side, I think from through management, you know, everyone knows about sex sales. So if you are looking at it from that side, people will know that that's, that's the way they make their money. Um, but you can either take it one way or the other. Me personally, I know that I'm, I'm a short person, so I, I know that me sexually, I wouldn't advertise myself in that way. But for some people who are maybe advertise themselves attractively, then I would say go for it. If that's what, how you want to represent yourself as a woman, then I would say just do it. And, and as long as you're doing it in a respectful way. The only thing that annoys me personally that is when we see talentless women who are huge in the industry and they're, they're not doing anything empowering. All they're doing is showing off their body and disintegrating themselves. And that's what I really like to see. Um, but then again... Being a young person, I am seeing it day by day changing because you have talented people like Adele who won countless Grammys and she didn't portray herself sexually at all. Um, and then you have people like Beyonce and Jay-Z who are working as a team together and showing how, how even black people can empower themselves as a team and a man, man and woman in partnership too. Thank you so much for your thoughts. I'm going to go on to something next. Thank you so much for your thoughts. I want to go on to something next. Um, is, is, do, we have, do we have Kay back? Okay, I don't believe we have her back. I hope she comes back. So, Jean? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, I just wanted to say, before you move on to the next uh, topic, I think that we need um, we need the industry to allow women to be more visible, you know, because what happens is this is a, a sexist uh, industry, the music industry, and you notice like only five percent of the music industry are, you know, have women that work in it, um, and it's, it's because the industry will not let them be more visible. So maybe you know this is good that you bring this to the attention. The industry needs to allow women to be more visible, not just the music industry, but the movie industry, to allow them to have a voice and have them become to be more out. And, and let them have more hit records because when you don't see a lot of women in high positions, you get used to not seeing that, and that becomes the norm. Wow. Well, thank you, Jay, for sharing that. And um, I can see what you're saying that we don't, and and it's important that we do. I actually want to direct a particular question to Jean. Um, I'm not sure if May has children as well, um, and Margaret. Okay, and I was hoping uh, Kay was on as well. I wanted to ask you that as women, uh, Margaret and May and Jean, um, of having children, all right, and I hope Kay comes back, and having children, how has this, you know, here you were in your careers at one point, having, you know, going for what you want, maybe getting married. When you had children, what responsibility did you feel that you had to give, not only as a, as a woman to your family, but what responsibility did you feel you had, you had to show as a role model to your children 
of what life is like on the outside, especially if you had daughters. And if you had sons, how they were to interact with their daughters and other young women. So please, anyone jump in there. I'd love to know. So it's, again, made from 1965. I have two girls, uh, five years old and three years old, and I'm going to take a different approach answering this question. Every time that I'm hearing this question, we are talking about the workplace and the world outside. I think, personally, what worked for me and my family is, uh, first of all, looking at uh, in your own uh, home. How is your relationship with your partner? How you are uh, sharing the responsibilities? And how you figure out the balance between uh, between work and home. And not with your workplace, with your partner, with your husband. So both uh, my husband and I really liked our jobs. We really liked our daughters. And I think that uh, the role model that we are giving uh, our uh, girls is that we... We are as a um, as a couple can figure it out together and let each other do whatever he wants and do it also for uh, for our girls. So for me, it was important to figure out in my own family how, how I'm going to treat this uh, work balance and uh, and partnership before I'm going to go and demand outside to my workplace. I really want to to be a role model to my girls. Well, it's funny that you said that, May, because that's one of the things that that's exactly one of the things that Jay and I believe in is that it starts with you first. And we were going to actually go to that next, but I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, what about yourself, uh, Jean, and what about yourself, Margaret? Well, for me, I, I marginalized the two sections in my life. So I, I'm not marginalized, but I separated them. So I, my husband and I are a partnership, and he was – working when I had kids so I stayed home with the kids and then when and I wrote at home and then when my writing career took off and I was working more outside the home we switched places because uh and we we lived with less money and we just decided that that was a better life for our kids um to always have a parent around and try to keep our economics really low since I'm an artist I didn't want to be taking jobs for money. I wanted to be taking jobs for art. So uh, that's what we did, and then uh, and it worked out pretty well. And I had my children very young, and I was an actress, and I was told to stop by my agents to stop having children, that it was, you know, it, they couldn't sell me as an actress, and they couldn't. So I just was like, I don't want to be in a business that doesn't allow me or want me to support me to have kids. Because it's all about what you weigh and what you look like, and those physical images are so. And then I would be off for a few months recovering from childbirth, so they didn't, it wasn't supportive. So I turned to writing, which it doesn't matter where you are or what you look like to be able to write. But it does turn out that, you know, how you're hired. It, my, my kids have seen me work really hard, they've seen me start a new career, they've seen me uh, work my way up in a career and become successful at my career, they've seen my husband. And I share the role equally in the roles of parenting. So in that respect, I think that's a very healthy, modern uh, role model of parenting and, and a relationship and a work relationship for them. Thank you so much. And what about you, Jean? Uh, well, again, I had to bring it up because I'm living in Sweden and it's really made the whole thing a little bit unique because the whole societies are very geared for women. Uh, or parents to have a kid so while you have a work. Uh, in the early 
stage, I was working at the company, but Swedish uh, companies are very, very flexible, very supportive. If you have a kid, so you can come in at different hours and leave at a different time as long as you, that you fit to pick up the kids or drop the kids into the school, that kind of thing. So when my daughter was younger, uh, that was a little bit of a struggle because then I had to drive very long distance to pick her up, and sometimes I felt guilty that I left her as uh, the last person, last kids to be picked up from the, the, the kindergarten. Uh, but later on, when the, when I work from home now, it's I, I feel very blessed at the same time that uh, it's, I can spend a lot more time with my daughter and uh, able to sh- drive her anywhere she wants and that. Uh, whenever she comes home, that she wants to share something, and I'm right there that she can talk to. Um, so it's uh, one of the reasons I kind of go into my own business is some something I want to. I was thinking that one day I can leave something behind uh, that she can remember of me, <laughs> and that's what's kind of the reason I also want to start my own business. But at the same time, it's. Uh, uh, I like to set up like a model for her to to watch. Uh, being a woman, you don't have to be passive. Uh, you can have your own decision, and you can do things the way you want it. And then I, and I'm really happy to see now she's 17, and she's very much is uh, deciding that what she, in her studying and what she want to do, and she does her own initiation, and she, and when she decides to do it, and she does well, uh, and the. At the meantime, I'm being a very happy person, a very balanced person, and I just feel uh, very blessed and happy. Whatever I did seems right so far. So that's uh, my view with the kids and job at the same time. Well, guys, I'm going to get into something a little bit more fun, but also very, very serious as well. Youth and the pressure that we're putting on them, and culture. You know, I've heard May talk about being from Israel. Margaret is from the U.S., and I've heard Jean talk about being from, you know, uh, from Sweden and in China. And then Sean, who's traveled uh, uh, abroad and has seen so many things. And then Jay and myself, who's uh, traveled, and Kate, of course, who's traveled as well uh, abroad, and, and Delvin on the phone. One of the things that we keep telling our young people in the media is that you are the future. They know that. But then we put pressure on them that you can make decisions that adults can. There was a woman recently on Fox that said, I don't mean to sound nasty, but children cannot make adult decisions to the degree that a woman or a man has gone to college, gained some work experience, has a job, um, has worked in some areas already, you know, doesn't matter. we're not talking gender-specific here to a degree, and, and, and then again we are. But we're looking at children are being pressured to make grown-up decisions and not being allowed to live their childhood through college. We're telling them that, you know, they're the future, they're the world. I would like to ask each one of you for just one minute each, your thoughts on that and, and you know, where you think we are going with our youth. Are we putting too much pressure on them? You know, um, so I'd love to start with uh, Kay. Are you on the phone, Kay? 
I think we, we've lost her permanently. Um, so I'd love to start with Sean. I'm sorry? I said, Kay, I only have a five-week-old baby. I, I know, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Sean, could we start with you? Yeah, I have um, three girls, 13, uh, 16, and 20. So I, I live in a, in a in a space with a lot of, of, of feminine energy, and I am intrigued by the voraciousness with which they consume media. Um, they, uh, millennials, for, for lack of a better term, consume incredible amounts of uh, material, and they do it um, on their phones in, in this part of the world, and they do it in on radio and TV and in Africa and, and elsewhere. Um, and much of that content is not role modeling a particularly balanced perspective of what it is to be a woman, especially a young woman. And I worry often about the amount of material they consume and its lack of diversity, its lack of powerful women role models, its lack of males who are role modeling a different perspective of masculinity. So um, maybe just a, a, a head nod to the industry that we have a moral responsibility to, to be getting content in front of our kids that makes them see the potential in themselves, the diversity in all of us, and the and the magic in being a young woman. Thank you so much, Sean. Jay, what are your thoughts? Jay, do we have you? Yeah, I'm still here. I, you know, it's it's just very, you know, I, I think the closer we get that we're having this discussion, it's going to get a lot better. But we have a we have a have a a, a ways to go, you know. And like I said earlier, it's the change. That's to come. We need more visibility, and that's what's being stopped. As long as we continue to keep women out of the high-ranking administration positions, we're never going to see this change. So it's very important that uh, the women rise to the top and become visible. And, you know, even the little young girls, like, I have two daughters. I want my daughters to be producers. I want my daughters to be uh, the president. I want my daughters to be in these positions. But there's something that's there that's stopping and can keep stopping and keep keeping these children from growing up to be these great figures. That's why I'm proud of people like Margaret and, and the people you have on our line here because we're bringing awareness to these to the you know to people and to the kids. So the, the, I think the cure is more giving these women cha- a chance to make change. That's really I mean you, we are we're we, we, and we're talking about it now and that's what we that's what we find the answer is to make sure that they're able to rise. Because with only 5% in the music area of women being in big positions to make change, that's not enough to do enough. Got it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I'm just going to put my two cents in here, too. I'm, I wanna, I'm speaking to kids overall, not just, um, not just the women in this question. I'm speaking to the pressure that's being put on women and bo- little girls and boys to, to grow up faster than they're ready to and not allow them to go through their journey. And the gentleman I spoke to who was in Harvard said, if he had not been allowed to go through his journey and become a young man, instead of being pushed to be the leader that he is, he said he probably would have grown up too fast and missed his maturity. 
So I think that's really important. And, Margaret, I would love for you to jump in on this because I know you shared with us some things last time you were on our show, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, there's a, uh, you know, you if you if you can't see it, you can't be it. So there's an issue with, there's two things I want to address, which is the last question, which is, this is a huge issue in the world in utilizing the talent of young women in this world. My daughter was working for a company recently, and she noticed that all the women that were really talented in the company were leaving, and this was her first job. And it, and they said to her, because the head of the company, there are two men running the company, they don't promote women. They hire men in those upper-level jobs. And so my daughter quit, and she went to a company that's all women, and she's moving up. But she she's 22 years old, and she realized right away that wasn't going to happen. Now, as far as childhood, I've always been a huge advocate of childhood. And, and even though my kids grew up in L.A., I've always been like, it doesn't matter. The person you are is not determined by the pers- where you go to college or, or who any of that, the most important thing is that you go through every step of development and so and being a child as long as possible. And I don't mean being stupid or irresponsible, but childhood is a, is a magical, important developmental time. And if you ask a kid to run uh, before they crawl, oftentimes they have language delay, right? So every step is vital and important to their brain and emotional development. And what you expose them to as children and that, you know, this idea of diversity is such a devastating thing that, you know, girls do consume so much social media and what do they see? A lot of white boys. You know, the the lack of diversity, um, I work very hard to make what I do diverse and and physically diverse and racially and and different languages. And I, I put everything in there that I possibly can because that's the world we live in. That is the world we live in, and it's our job in in those who are creating content to make it look like the world we live in, and if we don't talk about it, you know, this phone call will make one person designing a a web program reconsider, you know, and one person reconsiders and makes their content more diverse and then another person does, and it's really important when you're a kid growing up to see images and people that look like you and feel like you and remind you of you and make you feel less lonely in the journey that is childhood because there is loneliness in childhood too. And that, that loneliness increases and that isolation increases when you don't see stories and faces that look like yours. My son, um, is uh, I with him in particular, I, I think children are much more successful when they're allowed to go through all the steps of childhood and are not put under all that pressure. My son, I, I always said it doesn't matter where you go to college. When you're in college, it's more important that you learn and take hard classes and go for classes that raise your grade point. This is an opportunity for, for you to learn. I've always sort of blindly believed this, and now my son's at graduate school at Harvard. So it clearly works. It works. You know, you, you can't, this is a world, childhood is a, is a complex time. It's not a, always a pretty time. It's not a fairy tale time. It's complex. And we need to address the complexity of childhood as we create content. So that's what I have to say. Well, thank you so much, Margaret. And I want to go on to May. May, can you share your thoughts? Um, we have very little time left, so I want to get everyone in. Can you share your thoughts, May, as well? 
I uh, strongly agree with uh, the nice lady that uh, spoke uh, just now. That's Margaret. <laughs> Margaret, yeah, I strongly agree with Margaret. I don't think I had anything else to add. Thank you so much. And I want to go, is, do, do we have Kay back, just in case? Okay, Jean, uh, you, is that Kay? No. Okay, no. Jean, um, would you share with us your thoughts uh, about, you know, what what you think about pressure being put on kids to grow faster than their own development? Can you share that with us, what your thoughts are about that? Okay, um, I grew up in an Asian culture, and... Uh, we were told that we cannot think, we had to listen only. Uh, for me, that was very hard to grow up that way. So when I was having my daughter, but I also realized that when she was younger, she can't make that decision. I do have to make certain decisions for her to allow to her to grow. And uh, uh, I did, and I slowly, gradually helping her to learn how to make her own decisions, at least pick up her dress to go to school that kind of simple thing to start with. Um, and now that she's on the, the time to decide which subject and what school that she want to go to, uh, as it's coming up more and more, so, so decisions need to be made. And sometimes she will come to ask, us, I need your help, and then I will give her my advice. But at the same time, she's the one doing the ultimate decision at last. And I'm really quite happy to see that she was able to have the room to be a kid, but at the same time, uh, uh, now that she feels she's like a half adult and she has her own decision-making uh, and she didn't feel that I pressure her. Sometimes she does, but most of the time now she do admit that I allow her to make decisions now. So th- that's... Uh, and it, because, like Margaret said, the world is so complex now. And the, actually, being a parent, I had to watch every steps and everything, every friends that he, she's making to make sure she's doing things right. But even though uh, I, she has to be the one making the decision, uh, so it's it's it is uh, challenging to be a parent and try to have a kid. But at the same time, feeling very proud that when your kids can grow and make their own decision. Thank you so much. And Delvine, you've heard all of the people on the phone. What are your thoughts of being a young person over here and traveling to America from the U.K. to pursue your dream? What do you feel? Did you have a great childhood? Did you feel that you were allowed to go through your development? Well, um, it's interesting because um, when I was in London, um, my, one of my friends, I wasn't sure whether to take the risk to come here, um, and one of my friends said, well, the pursuit of happiness is the happiness, happiness in the pursuit. So as long as you're doing it and you're doing it with a smile and you're doing it with positivity and a positive energy, everything will work out. And even if you, it, there is there is times that uh, I've been here when it has been difficult, but honestly, the experience I've had here has been absolutely amazing. And um, it's interesting hearing Margaret's point of view because she's in the same industry that I'm getting myself into. Um, it's interesting because nowadays I kind of I've seen the change because when you see programs such as Orange is the New Black, they're kind of um, getting away from that stereotype um, and they really are starting to cast real women in the industry. So right now, having to move, having moved to this, this city on my own, um, I've noticed that I've come at a good time because things are slowly progressing and things are slowly changing. But in saying that, um, I'm just really, really going with a whim and, and trying to put all into it. 
put my all into it as well um, because I think young people today don't realise how much opportunity they they actually have and how much things have developed and how much things have changed. And even if um, you are seeing that women aren't um, aren't powerful anymore, um, you can really ask is what can you do to make a difference and how can you stand out in the crowd really? Thank you so much. Um, it is at the end, and I'm going to just make a few statements and then thank all of our guests. So I, um, there's a couple of things. I believe that children should be able to go through their development, as Margaret and all of us said, that they should be able to have the opportunity to live and make their own opinions and grow and make their own decisions. And I also believe in what Jean said, too, that it's important that there's some there's some structure there, like what Margaret and Jean and, and May have created there and Sean and, and, and um, Jay have created for their children. Um, I also believe that it's great to be able to go for what you want. After all, um, this show, Listen, Give Initiative in the UN and all of that we're doing now, we wouldn't be even having this and meeting amazing people like you if we weren't as adults going for the things that we are going for, which gives way for young people to see that it's not only okay for them to go for what they want, but they can also experience the highs and the lows. And a failure is actually an amazing thing because through failure they learn even more. Um, I could go on here, but I just want to thank our guest, Sean Scully from PCI Impact, Executive Director, Jay Logan, my co-host, um, touring in Japan, Delvine Pitt, who is an actress here from London studying acting, Margaret Nagel always, um, and she's always got great stuff to say. May Hame, meeting her at Women in Music with Tommy Sil- uh, Tommy Boy uh, Records, uh, just amazing here, and she's from Israel here in the States, making a difference with women here. Kay Reed, just having a daughter, one of the most prolific music artists around. She will be singing our song, Never Alone. I'm so excited about that. And just all of you women, all of you gentlemen, thank you so much for your time, your energy, and know that we're not just talking here. People are going to hear this. Young people are going to hear this, and they're going to make a difference from the difference that you've just made. So thanks all of you for being on the show today. I hope you have an amazing day, and I hope that you all will come back to listen to Give Live Radio and do this again with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Thank you so very much. much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. We're here at Fusion Rise Up in Washington, D.C., and we thank you all for being with us and listening to Live Radio. We thank the movie theater here, Elm, Elm. The Angelica Pop-Up over here in Washington, D.C. We thank them for the use of their computer and for all that they've done today. And with that said, have a great day, everyone.